be here. Thank you for that great music, Bennett family. And uh, brother and sister Bennett, uh, my compliments. Uh, you've done a wonderful job with your children. And uh, thank you for sharing uh, them with us tonight. And I'll tell you what, uh, we've got all kinds of wonderful, godly, single young men at our church in Jackson, Michigan. And uh, if you want to come out and visit us, amen, we'll be glad to take some of those beautiful young ladies right off your hands, amen. And uh, we, we joke about our young men. Some of those young men, they can't sing a lick. They couldn't carry a tune in a bucket with a lid on it. We always kid. We said, you know what you guys should do? You should get a bus, go on the road, and fix other buses. Amen. That'll be really be a blessing. Amen. But you folks should certainly get a bus and head from church to church to church and be a blessing. By the way, if you ever want to get a Polish preacher fired up to preach... Just get five accordions up on the stage, amen. And I'm telling you what, we got Brother Don and Kim Case are out of our church, Loomis Park Baptist Church. And if you've never met the Cases, you're missing a blessing. They are such, Brother Don, just such an encourager. I kid him all the time. I said, isn't it good to have John R. Rice in our church today? He just looks like him. He's old, you know, and I and, uh, got big ears. He, uh, he's listening right now, probably going to reprove me. But uh, every time he plays that squeeze box, I get blessed, amen. And uh, that was awesome. That, that, that five-fold blessing there was just wonderful. And uh, thank you for setting the tone tonight. Amen. We're in Mark chapter 4. And uh, so Pastor put me on the spot last night. He, he said, and he says this to me every time. He says, you know, every, every message I hear you preach, the, the last one's the best one. Let me just tell you something, folks. That's some pressure. I mean, every night you got to come through, amen, and, and i got to preach three times on Sunday morning, and hopefully the 8.15 one is better, and then the 9.30 is better, and then 10.30 is better, and then, hallelujah, Sunday night I'm preaching somewhere else so I can drop a dud, amen, uh, somewhere else, but praise the Lord, amen. So good to see everybody. We love you folks so much. Um, I was, it's amazing. I've been at Loomis Park Baptist Church for nine years. I was only here for three now, that means I've been at Loomis Park three times longer than I was here, and yet this church is just so special to us, and you precious people. I look out, I saw, saw Ashley come in with her husband, Dave, amen, God bless you. I met Zach tonight, amen, and of course, Ken and Marge, Marge, thank you for that wonderful meal tonight, amen. Uh, we enjoyed that, and uh, Miss Marge, what, what, what did you say that the dessert was? What was it called? It was dissembled, or what was it? I, it wasn't together. That's we. Uh, what was it? It was a Boston cream cake. So she just had the cake, and then she poured like the the Boston cream sauce on it, and then the 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 chocolate sauce. And how many of you are getting blessed right now? We haven't even started with the Word of God. Amen. Just ask Miss Marge to make that for you. You'll be even more blessed. Amen. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read quickly tonight the first 20 verses. And I want to preach to you a message tonight called Beware of Thorns in Your Garden. Beware of Thorns in Your Garden. It's in Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, just listen along. If you do, we're going to read responsibly. I'll read the odd-numbered verses. You read the even-numbered verses through verse number 20. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. 
And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty and some sixty and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they which are by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundredfold. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus taught many things in parables. In fact, nearly one-third of all of Jesus' teaching were given unto us in parabolic forms. All of Jesus' parables are found solely in what we call the synoptic gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The simplest definition given to a parable, and you've probably heard it a hundred times, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But they're not fables. Parables are not fables. They're, they're not myths. They're not proverbs or allegories. Uh, a man named Lindsay, a Bible commentator, said this, The parables of our Lord differ from fables by their spiritual aim and natural character of their incidents, from myths by their truthfulness, 
from proverbs by their expanded form and from allegories in being complete and yet not always self-interpreting. The book of Luke contains the most parables, then Matthew, then Mark contains the least. Eighteen parables appear only in Luke. Ten appear only in Matthew, and one appears only in Mark. A little further in our uh, text, verses 26 down through verse 29 uh, there. That's the only one that appears only in Mark. If you look at the context uh, of our message tonight, and I like to stay in the Scriptures, amen. I, I was telling Zach that today. I said, you know, I'm all for stories and illustrations that can shed light on truth. But ladies and gentlemen, what we need is the meat and potato of the Bible. So, amen, really, we just need the meat and potatoes of the Bible, amen. And just just having God's Word and, and eating up God's Word. And so in verse 1, by way of context and introduction, we see the people. It says, and he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him, how many? A great multitude, amen. And then we see not only the people, but we see the pulpit. I love this. So that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. Imagine that, you know, the ship bobbing up and down there, and here's the Lord giving the message, amen. I, I had the privilege uh, twice now, when, since I've been pastor at Loomis, to go to the Philippines, and I preached under a tent, Pastor, with 2,000 people under a huge gospel tent. And I tell you what, it's just incredible uh, to preach to that kind of a multitude. Just imagine how many people were scattered along the sea here to hear the Lord Jesus. There's the people, there's the pulpit. Praise the Lord for verse 2. There's the preaching. It says, and he taught them many things by parables. That word parables is used 48 times in the synoptic gospels. I think of Psalm 78 verse 2. And the word of God says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. So there's the people, the pulpit, the preaching. But later on in verse 10, there's the privacy, isn't there? It says, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him, of this parable. And then he gives the purpose, doesn't he, in verse number 11. It says, And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. There's a problem in verse 12, not only the people and the pulpit and the preaching and the privacy and the purpose, but there's a problem. We read verse 12 and it says that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven. Well, somebody says, Pastor, well, that's a vindication of Calvinism right there. See, see, God doesn't want some people saved. No, 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 no. That is not what he's talking about at all. These are the Pharisees who ought to have known already from the Lord's teaching here. And you can read in John chapter 5 when it talks about all the witnesses, amen. It talks about the, the Father's witness, amen. Here's my beloved Son, hear Him. It talks about the works of Jesus that bear witness. John the Baptist bear witness. The Scriptures bear witness. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the Pharisees were given every chance and they didn't take it. So there's the problem. But then there's a priority in verse 13. Very interesting verse, Pastor. It says here, Know ye, and he said unto them, Know ye not this parable 
And how then will ye know all parables? This parable, this parable of sometimes called the, the seed, the sower, and the soil, is the key to understanding Jesus' parabolic teaching. It really is. He says there, he, Jesus himself said, he said, know ye not this parable, and how then will ye know all parables? But then there's a proclamation in verses 14 through 20. We would call that the interpretation of the parable, and that's kind of where I want to dwell a little bit today. Let me give you just by way of, a, of an outline tonight. Number one, the activity. The activity is found in verses 3 and 4 and interpreted for us in verse 14. Verses 3 and 4 says, hearken. Jesus says, hearken. He says, listen. Listen. You ever say that? I, I say that to my children. Hey, hey, listen. Listen up. Hearken. And he, what does he say? He says, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed. Go down to verse 14. It says, the sower soweth the word. So what is the activity of this parable? The activity is the sowing of the seed of the word of God. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 8 verse 11 says it plain, Pastor. The seed is the word of God. That is the seed. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, nothing has changed. The main business of our lives is to be sowers of the seed of the Word of God. I don't care whether you work in the factory, whether you're retired, whether you, uh, whether you work in an office, whether you are work construction, whether you have your own business, amen. The main business of the Christian is to sow the seed of the Word of God. Can I show you one of the most precious possessions that I have? Two of them. Right here. These two gospel tracts were given to me almost 25 years ago. And they are the two gospel tracts that led to my salvation. I did not get saved reading these tracts, but it was a seed that was sown in my, and I love it, Pastor. I, I still have this, this chick track with, it's all dirty and dog-eared, nothing on the back. But on this back here, it says, Grace Bible Baptist Church, D.G. Davis. Still there. Amen? I, I've written to him before and let him know, hey, by the way, one of your members 25 years ago gave me a gospel track, and I've been trying to lead people to Christ ever since. And it all goes on your account for printing these tracks. We have a ministry at our church. It's called Sowing Seeds at Spartan Stadium. Say that five times fast with a lisp, amen. <laughs> Sowing seeds at Spartan Stadium, suffering succotash, amen. And what we do, Brother Bennett, is we go up to the Michigan State home games. We're about 30 miles from Lansing. And we have beautiful schedules printed on one side of all the games and all the dates and who they're playing. And on the back side, it says, a gift from Loomis Park Baptist Church, how to go to heaven. And we say, listen, we say, would you like a schedule? Would you like a schedule? My son Eric goes with me. We've been several times. Ten years old, he's out there amongst all these college people. And uh, can, can he give you a schedule? And we always say, there's good news on the back. There's good news on the back. You say, what are you doing? Sowing. Sowing. You say, you ever find any on the ground? A few, but not as many as you'd think. 
I mean, listen, ladies and gentlemen, there's 75,000 people at a game. You want to talk about an unreached people group, Pastor? College campus. Huh? I mean, that's an unreached people group. Uh, nobody's reaching them, amen? And we just believe that the activity of the church, and by the way, I, I still have to pull teeth to get people to try to come out of their comfort zone a little bit. Literally, uh, all you have to do is stand there and go like this. Schedule, schedule, schedule. You got to make eye contact a little bit. Hey, can I give you schedule? Hey, can I give you schedule? You want to schedule? Anybody want to schedule? They're free, amen? We, we try anything and everything. Why? Because we're supposed to be sowers of the word. That's the activity. How do we do this? Gospel tracks, amen. We have beautiful door hangers at our church that we go and put on doors. Door-to-door soul winning, verbally, by your testimony, visitation, standing for God at work, tithing through your local church, giving to missions. Amazing. I mentioned our church sent me to the Philippines, Pastor. And I think, if I remember right, it costs between all the flights and all that, uh, Miss Jackie was about $2,500 to send me all the way to the Philippines. Long flight, good night, 8,500 miles. Yeah, here, here's the blessing. The, the, the Filipino pastor that we support there, Brother Edgar Nono, he's a tremendous preacher. I remember when he met my kids when they were little. I said, Every, I said boys, come here. I want you to meet a good man of God. I said, this is Pastor Nono. And he looked at me and said, Nono, that's a funny name, isn't it? Amen. And my kids said, yeah, it is. Amen. No, no. Dad always says, no, no. Amen. Went over there, Pastor, and I think we had 2,100 people come to Christ. I mean, it's an incredible thing. I, I say it, and we say, wow, but I actually saw it with my own eyes. I think that's like a dollar to a soul, right? About right? $2,500, 2,100 people saved, a dollar and a couple pennies a soul. I think that's a good investment. I think that mirrors the activity of what the Lord is talking about here. A sower soweth the word. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, too much business around the church of God has nothing to do with Father's business. Huh? I've said that for years, Pastor. Too many business meetings have nothing to do with Father's business. It ought to be about getting the gospel out to more people. Sowing the seed of the word of God wherever we go. We used to say when I was a youth pastor and we'd take a youth trip and we'd always have a stack of gospel tracts, Brother Bennett, and we would tell our kids if we stop at a rest area or something like that, I said, leave a trail of breadcrumbs so people know we've been through, amen? And it's funny, the kids would come back and they'd say, they say, Pastor, I took one of these tracks and uh, I, went, I went in every stall and I rolled it up in the toilet paper, <laughs> I said, well, okay, amen, good job, buddy, amen. <laughs> I prefer you actually give them the people, but uh, this was back in the days when there was pay phones, you should stick them in the pay phone, amen, you know, not none of that anymore, no pay phones anymore, but uh, listen, the acti- listen, the activity as a Christian, your activity, my activity should be sowing the seed of the word of God any way we can, any way we can. I think you mentioned... Uh, uh, Pastor shot Brother Carpenter last night. He's on the uh, t- cable television. Uh, goes out over Facebook. You never know. You never know. You never know what God... I always say this. You never know what God will do with his word unless you don't give it out. Then you know. Hmm? The activity. The activity. 
But then let's notice not only the activity, but verses 4 through 8, let's notice the actuality. We have an activity, but then we have an actuality. Verse 4, look at it with me. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. So he, he's teaching, he uses this parabolic teaching here, he said, and he says, here comes, the seed goes down, and here comes these birds, and they just take it right up. What does that mean? Well, jump over to verse 15. It tells you exactly what it means. These are they by the wayside, when the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately. And taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Okay? So what's the actuality? The first part of the actuality is this. Some will not receive the word of God. Okay? So this is some reality for sowers, right? We guess we could call it that. Reality for sowers. There's a group of people that are not going to receive the word of God. Now, I don't believe for a minute, Pastor, they're predestined to hell. I don't believe that. I know this. I had to make a choice to either receive the word of God or not, Brother Ray. Amen? So some will not receive the word of God. Secondly, verses 5 through 7. Some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. So what do we see here in verse, I'm sorry, uh, 5 and 6? And then if you jump over to uh, verse number uh, 16. And these are, they likewise, which are sown on stony ground. Who? When they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Okay? So, and if we keep going, we, we find, and we're going to talk about verses 18 and 19 here, but what do, what do we see in this? We see that, in, including verses 18 and 19, these are they which are sown among thorns. So you have stony ground here, you have thorny ground, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in. Choke the word and becometh unfruitful. So some will not receive it. Some will not bear fruit after they receive it. We've all known Christians like this. If you've been saved any length of time, I've been saved almost 25 years. I got saved when I was 23 years old. My hair was down to here, amen. And I got saved, was in Bible college two years later. And uh, we've all, I call them sparkler Christians. You know what a sparkler is? A sparkler's awesome, Brother Dale, for about three minutes. You put it in front of a kid and they're like, and then it's gone, it's out. We've all, listen, I, if you want another illustration, we could say these are sprinters in a marathon, right? They're sprinters in a marathon. Boy, they, 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 Pastor, they make it out to visitation the first Saturday. The second Saturday, the FBI can't find them. Right? Right? Huh? Getting convicted about coming out for visitation, I hope? Boy, it got quiet all of a sudden. Boy, maybe it's time for the altar call right now. Amen. No, listen, these sparkler Christians, they, they, they come out like a house of fire and they're so excited and they receive the word with gladness, but they don't bear any fruit. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? I talked last night about the, a little bit about the parable of the unforgiving servant, but right after that is the parable of the talents. 
And Jesus, you remember the story, he said, a certain Lord gave five talents to one according to his several ability. And two talents to one according to his several ability. And one talent to one. And you know what? When you look at the end of that, you know what God expects from us as his children? Increase. Hey, listen, you may not be a five-talent Christian. You may be a one-talent Christian. But you know what he expects at the end? Two talents. He expects you to, he expects us to bear fruit. He expects, and by the way, he has every, every right to expect us to bear fruit. He saved us, he enables us, he gives us power, amen? And he expects us to bear fruit. And so the actuality is this. We have some that will not receive it, some that will not bear fruit from it, and then praise God for verse 8 and verse 20. It says, another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 60, or some 30, some 60, some 100, verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. That's the process. Hearing the word, receiving the word, bearing fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. So that's the third actuality. Some will not receive it. Many will not bear fruit from it. Some will receive it and bear fruit. By the way, the other of verse 8 is worth it. Say, what is that? Well, according to my math, and I was never really super good at math, But according to my math here, we have four different categories of where the ground is sown, correct? Okay, we've got got wayside, we've got stony ground, we've got thorny ground, we've got good ground. According to my math, one, two, three out of four, pastor, don't bear any fruit whatsoever. You know, if you, you and I would have known that way back when, when we met in the ministry, preacher, maybe we would not have gone in. 75% failure rate, anybody else good with that? It, apparently it's great if you're a preacher, but don't land planes with a 75% failure rate, amen? Or deliver babies, amen? Just not going to work. I was in aerospace quality for years, stopped by the place I worked, and I remember one year I, I had inspected over 500,000 parts. And there was 12 parts that were mismarked. I could still tell you the part number all these years ago. My my quality percentage rate was 99.9999997. And I went up to the customer up in Montreal, Canada, and they looked at that and said, why were you not perfect? And if I could have strangled that little Frenchman, I would have, amen, but I couldn't, amen. I said, well, I'll try to do better next time, knowing I couldn't possibly do much better than that, amen. No, listen, 75% failure rate, but you know what? The other, that 25% is well worth the 75% failure rate. You know, Pastor, when I think of the 75% failure rate, you know what I think of? We live in a cursed world. Hmm? We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a world that, that does have 
thorns and thistles in it. Amen. And, and I think about that, that actuality, but the other is worth it. Hey, by the way, it was worth it to me when I got saved. Worth it to my little family there that's in church. Worth it to the other families that we've reached and families here that have been reached. Amen. And for all eternity, we'll be glad we're part of the other. The actuality, the activity. Look at verses 15 through 19 again, and we see the adversity. What's the adversity? Well, we see several things. We'll look at it, but I don't know if any of you have read the screw tape letters, but written by C.S. Lewis, we read of devils named screw tape and wormwood. And if you know Holy War by Bunyan, we read of Diablos. And I believe verses 15 through 19 is the height of spiritual warfare. Why? Because the Word of God and the hearts of men are involved. And we see the first adversity in verse 15 is satanic attack. Satanic attack. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I said it last night. There is a real devil and he is at work, and he doesn't take a day off. There's a devil, and it tells us right here that right away, as soon as these are sown by the wayside, the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and steal that seed out of their heart. It's adversity. We live in that sin-cursed world. But then there's not only satanic attack, but there's shallow belief, isn't there? Verses 16 and 17. That stony ground where there's no real root there. There's no real desire to live for Christ. There's no desire, pastor, to be a disciple. I preached a message in our church not long ago. And I, I gave the premise, pastor, is there a difference between a Christian and a disciple? And we looked at it from the Word of God. The truth is there is. A Christian is somebody who has received Christ. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what's interesting, preacher? If you look at the New Testament, in the New Testament, there is no difference between Christians and disciples. All the disciples, all the Christians were committed. Oh, not perfectly committed. Listen, ladies, and, I, and I, the whole premise of the message, uh, brother, was this. We got enough Christians. We need more disciples. Amen. We need enough Christians. Enough Sunday go to meeting Christians. Right. Enough, enough once in a while Christians. Once a month Christians. Tithe when I feel like it Christians. Maybe witness if, well, the pastor's watching Christians. We, we got enough of that crowd. We got enough of that. There's enough shallow belief out there. We need some Christians to dwell deep. The Bible tells us that, amen? And so here we have the adversity of satanic attack and shallow belief. And then verses 18 and 19, really kind of where I want to uh, focus for the rest of the message here, is we have some sprouting distractions. Not only satanic attack is adversity, not only shallow belief is adversity, but we have some sprouting distractions, verses 18 and 19. It goes back to verse 7. And some fell among what? Thorns. And the thorns grew up 
and it choked it and it yielded no fruit. And then if you go over to 18 and 19, it says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, they hear the word, you and I hear the word, amen, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. The description of the thorns is given in verse 19. What do they do? The first thing it does is it, the, the thorns, they choke the word in our lives. They've choked the word. And the second thing that they do is they cause unfruitfulness. So this, these thorns, they choke the word in our lives. They cause unfruitfulness. So that's the description of the thorn. The designation of the thorns is given in verse 19. There's the designation of problems. It says, and the cares of this world. Do you know the mortgage is due at the end of the month no matter how you feel? Hmm? Taxes? Especially in Connecticut, I better not go there. Pastor will shut me down, amen? If I told you what my property taxes are, Pastor, you'd probably beat me to death with a club, amen? What you pay here. Hey, those are due. That's the cares of the world. Those cares, uh, uh, thinking about uh, uh, the grocery bill and, and, and uh, the, the, how we're going to take care of this and that and, and the business and all these things, they got to be cared for. But if we're not careful, they can be a thorn. They can literally be the thorn of problems in our life and they can choke the word. What God wants to do in our life, there's not only the thorn of problems, but secondly, there's the thorn of prosperity. Right there in the text. It's beautiful. The cares of this world in the deceitfulness of riches. I've known some people who've done well financially. And the reason that they've done well financially, Brother Ron, is they were givers to the Lord's work. They gave. Behind the scenes, nobody knew about it. They'd give here, give there. There'd be a need. Maybe a missionary would have a need and, and the church would take up an offering, pastor, and it wasn't enough and they'd say, privately, I'll make up that difference. Didn't want anybody to know about it. God blessed them. But you know, I was just talking to a preacher the other day, just the other day, and he was telling me about a man, wealthy man, wealthy man, could literally be such a blessing to God's congregation and he's, he's that miser. He just won't do it. He won't part with it. You know what the Bible says that is? That's the thorn of prosperity. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of joy. Everything we have from our intellect to our physical body to our health and our constitution comes from God Almighty. Some people, it's not the thorn of problems that chokes them. It's a thorn of prosperity. I think it was Rockefeller, pastor, that they asked him. They said, how much is enough? And he said, one dollar more. One dollar. I think that's the definition of covetousness, literally. Covetousness, the best definition I ever heard for covetousness is the itch for more. The it, you know, when you have an itch, you got to scratch it. 
That's the way covetousness. I just want one more dollar, just one more dollar. The, the man was the richest man in the world. He just wanted one more dollar. It's amazing. There's the thorn of problems. There's the thorns of prosperity. And then verse 19, the lusts of other things entering. What's that, pastor? That's the thorn of pleasures. Pleasures. They choke the word. So this sprouting distraction, there's the description of the thorns. They choke the word. They cause unfruitfulness. There's the designation of the thorn, the thorn of problems and the thorn of prosperity and the thorn of pleasure. But then there's the dangers of the thorns. Just a few things, and I'll wrap up here. You know what thorns do? Thorns prick us. You ever had a thorn bush? We used to have at our house, Eight Linda Drive, Westfield, Massachusetts, 01085 413 568 3672. It's amazing, these numbers you got. I can't even remember my mother's phone number now because it's in my phone, Brother Dale, but I can remember the phone number I grew up with, amen. On, the, on underneath our back porch, Miss Gina, we had the most beautiful wild raspberry bush. Remember that, Mom? Most beautiful wild. I'm telling you, those things were so sweet and juicy and beautiful. And, brother, every time we'd get our fingers pricked. I, we're, we're in the process of buying a beautiful piece of property in Rives Junction, Michigan, if you want to see a picture, I'll show you a picture. It's so beautiful. A couple in our church passed away within three years of one another. Their sons don't live in the area anymore. And uh, after their dad's funeral, they met with me and said, we would love it. We think our folks would love it if you and your family would come and live out here. We'll sell it to you for such and such a price. And I'm out there mowing the edge of the ground. It takes me four hours to mow, Brother Dayfield. Probably about four acres of mowable land. And uh, I'm out there, and I, I get close to the, I always do the edge first, do the big edge. It takes me, I don't know, 20 minutes just to run the edge. And right along the edge, I'm going to tell you something, I got to get my clippers out. You know why? Thorns. I come along that edge uh, and, and go there, Miss Sonny, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and you know, you're on, the, you're on the tractor, you can't pull off, you got to stay there and just take it. Thorns prick us, and I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever got a thorn prick in your life, you know this, that the prick of a thorn distracts us, and it frustrates us. And listen, these thorns right here are no different. If you allow these thorns to spring up in your garden, these thorns of problems and prosperity and pleasure, they're going to prick you and they're going to distract you and they're going to frustrate you and they're going to keep you from bearing fruit for your Lord. Thorns. The dangers of thorns is they prick us. They not only prick us, they provoke us. Thorns, listen, you, you prick your finger with a thorn, it'll provoke you. Ah, good gracious. Ah, ooh, my goodness. I tell you, it provokes you to anger, it provokes you to action, and it, it provokes us to affect, it, it, uh, it affects our speech. Ouchie. It affects not only our speech, it affects our speed. We have to stop what we're doing. You paying attention? We have to stop what we're doing. We can say it this way. We have to stop what we're supposed to be doing and tend to the prick of the thorn. Thorns prick us, they provoke us. 
Do you know thorns can poison us? Do you know that? There's a, an, an ailment. I don't think I could pronounce it, but I wrote it down. S-P-O-R-O-T-R-I-C-H-O-S-I-S. It's poisoning from the thorns. It can literally poison you. These simple little thorn pricks. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You allow the thorns of problems and prosperity and pleasures to grow in your little garden, in my little garden. And I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't be the first one to get poisoned by those. And you wouldn't be the last one. That can affect any of us. Amen? So, what do we learn? We learned about the activity. We learned about the actuality. Some will receive it. Some will receive it and not bear fruit. Some will receive it and bear fruit. We learned about the adversity. There's satanic attack and shallow belief and sprouting distraction. But then, I love this. There's not only an activity and an actuality and adversity. There's an alterability. There's an alterability. What's the alterability? Listen, any gardeners in here? A couple of you? Amen. Bless you, sisters. Listen, if you just let a garden go, you're going to get thorns. Rocks, bad soil. A garden has to be tended. That's our part. We got to tend the garden that God gave to us. You know what it is? It's our heart and life. Hmm? It's our heart and life. Yeah, the Bible tells us. It, it, it talks about uh, 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 the, the heart. It, it talks about us to guard, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, Pastor, remember when God said about Israel, he talked about his vineyard? Remember how Ted said how he tilled the soil and he, he dug up the rocks and he, he planted and who could have done more? Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you know what we need to do? We need to inspect the garden of our hearts and ask ourselves, do I have thorns growing in there? Because you know what we can do, spiritually speaking? We can put on those leather gloves, grab those thorn bushes by the roots, and tear them out. Say, what do you mean, Pastor? What, what are you talking about there? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Proverbs 28, 13 tells us. It let a man examine himself. One of the greatest privileges we have is self-examination, self-judgment. Look at it and say, am I allowing? Listen, you know the easiest one of those thorns to let grow in our garden is the first one, problems, cares of this world, because we all have them. We all have them. I may preach on Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 this week, Pastor. Priority number one for a Christian. I may preach on that. And I used to preach that verse when I was a youth pastor and say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I preached it with power and passion, amen. But you know, verse 32 is what makes verse 33. What's verse 32 says? He says, For after all these things, he was talking about clothing, food, 
the cares of this world. So for all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth you have need of these things. You know why we, don't ha- we as Christians don't have to be choked by the problems of this world? Because we have a heavenly Father. Most of us will never have to worry about the, the thorn of prosperity. Amen? <laughs> I just don't have to worry about it. No problem there. God, God's not going to give me a whole boatload. Of, but by the way, some, some do. And it's a temptation. There, there's a lot to be said in the Bible about riches. Not to be high-minded. That riches carry with it many thorns, doesn't the Bible say? pierce themselves through with many thorns for those that, that have the, that, that thorn of prosperity. But that thorn of pleasures, we live in a pleasure-seeking society. Come on. If you don't think it's affecting our country, you're not paying attention. If you don't think it's affecting our churches, you're not paying attention. Listen, you know what we need to do? First of all, we need to beware of thorns in our garden. You know what we need to do? Put on the old leather gloves, leather gloves of repentance and confession and examination and say, you know what, I do have some thorns in my garden and I want to get them out so that when God comes to inspect my garden, that he'd find fruit in there. Isn't that a blessing at, at the end of harvest season? We've got several gardeners in our church uh, dear, dear lady, I'm thinking of her, Miss Peggy Swaffer. She always has given me vegetables that I don't like, but I should eat. But I should eat, amen? And you know how it is, brother. You can't say no. You, you have to you know, take what you're given and say, thank you, sister, I appreciate that. I can't wait to eat this zucchini, and now I have to go to the altar and repent of lying because I, I'm not really looking forward to eating this zucchini, but I have to. And, and. But isn't a blessing when you get that bounty of fruit? You get the bounty of, of, of fruit and vegetables and all that. You can't do that with thorns in your garden. Beware of thorns in your garden. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and blessing in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for this parable of the seed and the sower and the soils. I pray that you'd be with each one. May each of us tonight inspect our garden. May each of us have a desire to truly bear fruit for you. I pray that you'd help us to examine ourselves, to take an account of our stewardship. And Lord, that you would shine light on areas and that we would agree with you about our sins, about our shortcomings. Lord, that you would have the preeminence. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, our brothers playing a hymn of invitation softly. Let's stand to our feet, please. The altar's open. I always say at our church, it's not bad people that go to the altar, not at all. It's people that want to stay close to God. Listen, don't worry about who comes and who doesn't. If God has spoken to your heart, You just make yourself a place at this old-fashioned altar. Hey, husbands, you know what we need? We need husbands to tend the thorns of their own garden so they can help their wives grow in grace. What about you, sir? What about you, ma'am? You have some thorns growing in your garden? You better beware. Listen. 
good things don't just happen in a garden in a growing sense. They don't just happen naturally. What happens naturally is thorns and thistles and nettles and rocks. You know, pastor, something I think we, we miss and a farmer won't miss it is, yes, you have the seed and you have the soil and you have the sower, but you know, the, the soil has to be tilled. Before you can ever sow seed, it has to be tilled up. It has to be, the Bible says, break up the fallow ground of your heart. Break up that fallow ground. Why? So that when the seed goes in, it'll bear fruit. How about you today?